We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hey, it's Flo, and this is my impression of a tech-savvy royal family. Yes, yes, ever since the palace became Wi-Fi enabled, it's become so easy to use the Name Your Price tool on Progressive.com. I do agree, my queen. Simply telling it what we want to spend and seeing all our policy options, I'll send a screenshot to Duke, the Duke of Kent. No, my friend Duke, we're in a group chat together, LOL. It's easy to find insurance that fits your budget with the Name Your Price tool at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, price and coverage match limited by state law. Sorry, that was me chewing my dog inside. Oh, it was a dog. <laughs> Here, uh, go, go set some yeah. lineups with your iPad. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Soccer Podcast, brought to you by MondoGold.com, your premier destination for daily fantasy soccer. Head over to MondoGold.com and use the promo code ROTO for a 200% bonus on your first deposit. And now, here are Andrew Laird, Skylar Redpath, and Davey Dazzo. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Rotowire Fantasy Soccer Podcast. My name is Andrew Laird, Senior Soccer Editor of Rotowire.com. We're chatting MLS tonight with JD Bazo and Skylar Redpath. I want to thank uh, DJ Trainer for covering for me the last two weeks. It was uh, a few different things that were keeping me from the pod, but glad you guys could hold it down. We are going to switch up this format a little bit today. We're going to try to talk a little more strategy as opposed to just 
um, our picks for the weekend because I think uh, the strategy I think is is something that can last a little longer for uh, you know what we're trying to teach people who listen to the podcast. So while these things certainly apply for the weekend uh, because it's you know the way that we build lineups or look for contests, but hopefully it it'll last a little bit longer. So um, JD, when you start looking at your your um, at the slate. Uh, what's kind of the first thing do you notice? Do you do you go right to players and say, you know, I had this guy in mind, should I check his price, or do you, uh, you know, look at the matchups and say, okay, I've got to attack Philly this week because I attack Philly every week, or how do you how do you start? Yeah, I really kind of just click through the games first, and um, I kind of try and pick which teams are going to be the heavy favorites and which teams I think are kind of going to be a sneaky favorite that I want to play. Um, a lot of daily fantasy, especially in these big tournaments, is game theory. So I, it's just as important to identify some kind of high-scoring or sneaky um, matchups you like as it is identifying the, the obvious plays. So I, I definitely look to the matchups first, and then I kind of go through one by one and pick a couple players that I'm looking to target from each, um, a couple defenses on the overall slate that I'm going to want to target. Um, and I think it's really important to to at least watch highlights of the, of the recent matches and see what kind of form these teams are really in because it can change so frequently. Um, that's I find in MLS, things change so frequently, the rosters, the players that are starting, that it, it really does pay to, to not just look at the stats and also try and at least catch some of the matches. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with the, how quickly the form changes. And what's funny is that I feel like we see teams that will rip off five wins in a row and then it's not like they then go, you know, two and three in their next five. It's like they go five and zero oh and then zero oh and five. Like I feel like we've seen the Revs do that three times this season. Yeah, the Revs did that last season as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they were way out of the playoff race until they got Jermaine Jones. But even before they got Jermaine Jones, they were they were starting to pick things up. And it really can all hinge on one or two players, uh, a little bit of confidence here or there. Um, and it's not like the EPL where, you know, one player in the lineup just gets swapped out for another one and you think, well, they're in one of the best leagues in the world, so it can't be that big of a drop-off. In MLS, there's sometimes, I mean, a whole game can change entirely when you have to take out a good left back for a a bum left back. Right, a 17-year-old who just joined from the USL. Right, or maybe you keep trying to play a guy like Marco Donadel in Montreal who's terrible. <laughs> you finally swap him out for kind of a younger, friskier guy, and Montreal suddenly could look completely different. Yeah, those are all uh, great points. Scott, do you use Vegas lines at all when, when looking at uh, matchups, or do you kind of um, put the put the odds in your own head already just knowing the league? Yeah, very rarely I'll look at Vegas lines, sometimes just kind of just to see if there's anything that I'm missing. But for the most part, I kind of know who the favorites are and who to target. So I'll look at them, but I don't really base my fantasy plays around them. I think, um, you know, I, I don't think that looking at lines is a bad strategy, especially probably more so for other sports um, or if you're playing um, Premier League. But for MLS, then I think, you know, as much uh, unpredictability as as there is surrounding MLS, then I think a lot of the lines are somewhat predictable, at least, you know, trying to peg what Vegas thinks. So, mm-hmm. um, so how do you, yeah. what's the first thing you do when you pull up your, your lineup screen? Do you 
do you look at these matchups and say, okay, I see, you know, if it's, you know, L.A. home against Philly, you're obviously going to say, you, you know, you'll pile on the, the Galaxy at that point, or do you do you look at players right. first? Yeah, usually first thing I do is usually run straight to Giovinco and go ahead and bring him in. <laughs> okay. And then, and then uh, no, usually, yeah, I'll usually, um, you know, I've mentioned before, I, I'm multi-enter, so I have multiple lineups any given slate. Um, so usually I'll try to wrap my head around just individual matchups that I want to target, maybe any stacks that I want to try to start building, and then trying to pivot off that stack. Maybe, you know, if there's a certain player from a team, say, for instance, like uh, Lee Wynn from the Revs, um, if he's in a Revs stack, then I might make another lineup and pivot um, Diego Fagundes or Kellen Rowan for him pair them up with another midfielder so yeah usually for me it's just uh kind of taking a look at the the matchups and seeing what jumps out at me and then I'll usually go from there and just start building lineups based on those favorable matchups it it seems to me that Skyler it's almost more important for you to figure out the players you definitely do not want to use than the players you do want to use because that might actually be less people (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> but but it uh, is really important to if you're gonna be a volume player which can definitely be a, a very profitable strategy it is really important not to get carried away and you definitely want to have like a blacklist for that slate that you're not going to kind of get tempted to as you're throwing a bunch of lineups in there uh you have to just eliminate some teams almost entirely right. uh because if you spread it out through so many of them, which I think is a common mistake when people start to accumulate money. They try to multi-enter so much that their portfolio is almost so diversified that they're beating themselves and just right. losing losing the rake. It's a great point. Yeah, and for me, you know, a lot of the times when I'm multi-entering, then a lot of my lineups are built around a core group of players. So, for instance, your Giovinco's, then in the midfield, um, you know, talking about guys that you've used recently, um, Christian Teixeira has been one guy that's really been really nice to fit into the lineup and kind of frees up some salary cap. So just depending on, you know, how hot a player has been, a little bit of a recency bias, I guess you could say, but depending on that and their price tag, then there's a pretty good maybe three or four group core of guys that I'll build my multiple entries around. And that's kind of where I'm hoping that one of those combinations is the one that takes me to the top of the table and at that point then there might be an entry or two that didn't make the the cut that might be in the cash bubble but if if I've got one that's even up there first second or third then it usually covers any entries that don't so that's kind of my strategy attacking it from a multi-entry standpoint so how much um JD do you how much do you play outside of um kind of bigger tournaments uh like cash games yeah i've moved away from cash games a lot because i feel like you know a lot of the sharks play in the cash games um almost sometimes where like 75 percent of the 50 50 is just filled up with people that i know are also very good not that i don't think i can compete with them but i almost feel like my money is better spent there's more value in trying to put it into these tournaments where I think there's a lot more um, kind of free money flowing around. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but point. there's 
there's definitely opportunity to win money in cash games as well. It's just something that I, I find the return isn't as high, and it's not even as... I think, like, if, if I want to cash, I'm almost as much guaranteed to do it in a tournament as I am in a 50-50 at this point. Mm-hmm. Okay. Be, the tournaments just have so many more spots that you can kind of fill in for to place. Well, yeah, yeah that's I mean, a good point. Sure, when there's so many more, yeah, so many more caching opportunities. And there's a, just a lot of terrible lineups at the bottom of those tournaments. So you can really already start, like, you're already halfway through the race when you enter one of these huge tournaments. If you're listening, if you're doing any extra research, listening to our podcast, reading some stuff, watching some games, I think you're already halfway to, to a really good weekend. Yeah, I would say even just looking at who's in the lineup, I feel like, uh, you know, the bottom quarter at least of every gpp is filled with guys who you know are talked about on twitter because oh you know so and so is not starting <laughs> today and then all of a sudden they're in this line you know a lot of people's lineups because just like you said the the the, the just the rotation that we see in mls uh from from my point of view comes out of nowhere <laughs> just the right you you know obviously i'm more in tune with the premier league and you can kind of get a an indication of when guys might be sitting or you know you know uh they obviously don't always uh, prioritize, uh, you know, like the small cup matches, but um, Champions League is like a huge deal there, whereas here it's something to be avoided. So right. if you if you look at a lineup and say, oh, this guy's probably going to be rested because they have Champions League ne- next week, and, you know, you can sometimes get that right in England, but, certain, you know, in MLS you're, you actually have to think the other way. Like, oh, they, you know, he'll be rested for Wednesday's CONCACAF Champions League match, so I can still play him, but... Um, and and even I fall victim to that all the time. If if I have something to do and I entered a bunch of lineups, sometimes I do accidentally start like three or four players mm-hmm. that didn't play because you know sometimes real life gets in the way. But the, Skyler has like a wall of shame that he shares with us of all these terrible <laughs> lineups that he faces um, in head to heads or whatnot with people that have like two starters and everyone else like is just random players that I've hardly even heard of. So there's definitely a lot of dead money out there in the MLS contest, and I suspect that now that football season's here, there's going to be even more. Yeah, the yeah, tough... If you're, oh, sorry, Skyler. I was just going to uh, add to that what JD's saying. If you're entering a $50 head-to-head, be sure that you're at least having a, getting a starting goalkeeper in there. Don't put Joe Willis in uh, when he's – I don't even know if he dressed last night. And don't uh, – keep an eye on starting lineups. Don't put Piotti in when he was announced out midday. Um, yeah, you've got Drogba in there, but come on. Like, that's not going to cut it in a $50 head-to-head. So, yeah, just real quick on that too. Like, in your cash lineups, I mean, there's guys that you know are, are guys who avoid. For me, then I there's maybe – a a handful of uh, sharks, as JD said, that I just simply avoid. I might enter a 50-50 with them, but as far as head-to-heads, it's just the the risk is sometimes worth the reward. But if you're, um, you know, if you're confident in going up against somebody that you've never seen before, then just you know, spend some time looking in the lobby. It's you really do have to kind of seek out an opponent, but. When you see guys that have head-to-heads week in and week out, these are the type of guys that you want to want to avoid, and uh, your money is better spent, you know, going putting it up against somebody that might not have as much experience playing. Yeah, I think that's a good point. It kind of goes to what JD was saying earlier that maybe your money is just better served in a 
in a GPP just because, um, you know, you have more opportunities to cash in those than you would against somebody who is playing a hundred contests a week. Um, so Skylar, you mentioned earlier that, um, you basically search out Jovinko and then you build your lineups from there. Are there any other players that, um, you just always at least click to, to say, you know, maybe his price has dropped or, and I can take him or what other player we kind of mentioned over the last few weeks that Giovanni Dos Santos has just been dirt cheap on Mondo goal. And so, He's kind of an instant play, but are there any other guys right. that you, you make sure you check, even if the matchup isn't necessarily the best? Yeah, um, definitely for me, it, it usually just depends on the price and then just how hot they've been. So, um, and then also the scoring format for sure. Um, David Akam is a guy that I generally consider pretty much every slate. He's um, on other sites. I think he's, relatively mid mid range price I'd say and for the production that he puts out it just I think he always has to be in consideration especially on sites that award points for crosses yeah which you don't get a lot from forwards right and uh I just I mean the Giovinco at com combos worked out so well for me so many times this season um other than him a spindola if he's playing then I'll usually consider him try to try to make way for him in my lineups pretty much anytime he's playing um some of it of course depends on the matchup if uh obviously he he plays for dc right now but if a team's going up against dc united they're probably one of the stingiest defenses in the league there's maybe a couple others that are are stingier than them but um yeah those are my go-to's giovinko at com in the midfield i think i mentioned to share has been Price-wise, he's been a guy that I have to look at just to squeeze everybody else in. Even uh, Venegas lately from Montreal, he didn't have a good night last night. But um, other sites, he's been super cheap, I mean, dirt cheap. And filling in for Piotti, he's going to have his opportunities. Mm-hmm. So you got to find those players if you want to compete with the, you know, the top of the table. you got to find the guys that are pretty much bargain bin priced but also have a really high upside. Um, so I'd spend a lot of time trying to seek those guys out, and then that way I'm able to fit the guys like Giovinco and a common and mm-hmm. a Spindola in some cases. So, J.D., do you find expensive players and then try to find the values to fit around them, or do you search for value first? Uh, usually I kind of have an idea. Just it's I build my lineups very similarly most weeks. Um I have an idea that I'm going to try and fit in two really high-priced forwards. Sometimes I cave on that if I find good value forwards, and I'll, I'll pick up a, a pretty expensive midfielder instead. But the first thing I do is I always scroll down and find the values. There's people I know that I used last week that were cheap. Um, I probably want to use again whether they did well or not just because I, I like them for a reason at that value. I've watched them. They look lively in the games. And the the pricing definitely does stay pretty static at this point of the year. There's not a ton of huge jumps. So I kind of keep going back to the well with a lot of guys. Um, and then you find your value and you can kind of mix up the upper tier guys because I, I feel like the talent in MLS at the very top, the elite levels, it's it's pretty difficult to say, oh, I think 
Kai Kamara is going to score this week and Bradley Wright Phillips isn't. Like no <laughs> yeah. matter the yep. like no matter the matchup, uh, throw David Villa in there, Clint Dempsey, Obafemi Martins, Robbie Keane, um, just any number of other forwards as well. Octavio Rivero. It's it's really tough to say. Oh well, I don't like this guy's matchup. I'm going to only use the other guy in ninety percent of my lineups. I I find it is much easier to mix up the upper tier guys and stick with uh, stick with really nailing down these these value plays and the cheaper guys you like. Make sure they're quality. Make sure you put a lot of research into that, and then mix up the guys at the top if you're going to multi-enter. Except maybe Javinko, you could probably use him in a hundred percent of your lineups, <laughs> but. <laughs> Yeah, I guess that um, was part of my question, and, and um, one of you kind of uh, referred to it. Uh, playing, you know, against DC United is always tough. But are there are there any other teams where you will say, I just I'm not going to attack those. That you know, I'm not going to. Um, well, obviously, New York City at home is is what you go after. But but are there any other teams that you guys say I'm just not going to? Like you said. Robbie Keane's playing at DC United this week, so I'll go with Bradley Wright Phillips because, um, you know, his matchup is better. What What are the teams that you look at an upper tier player and say I'll I'll find somebody else this week? Well, first of all, Robbie Keane. I don't think I would say anyone I wouldn't hold back on Keane with. I think okay. Keane's fine wherever. Um, some some teams that give me pause. The San Jose Earthquakes recently have have really made me reconsider some guys playing against them, except for that one week where I, I really wanted to pick on them because they had some significant absences. Uh, another team that I think recently I'm, I'm really starting to shy away from is the Portland Timbers. They've been playing pretty solid uh, soccer, and I don't know that it, they're a very easy target to pick attacking players against. The Revolution have had a very good stretch defensively. Um, so th- they're another one. Montreal, now now that Laurent Simon is back, um, the Sounders were going to be in that picture until they lost Roman Torres for the season. Um, and perhaps the Whitecaps, too, defensively. Those are some teams that definitely make me reconsider uh, playing a good forward. But more often than not, I think the talent at, at the forward position really trumps whatever defensive matchup there is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for me, the the Galaxy at home are one that I'm always staying away from uh, as far as playing Visiting opposition. Teams, right? Yeah. So that one, you know, pretty much probably the top of my list. Um, Galaxy at home are money. So um, on that same note, then I like to play Galaxy when they're at home. So, right. <laughs> um, so Skylar, uh, Javinko is a must play. Are there any other guys that you would not hesitate on no matter who, where they're playing. Obviously, Robbie Keane won't be playing away to the Galaxy, so he uh, he gets away with that one. But is, is, he's obviously yeah. one that it sounds like you would be willing to play in any situation. Yeah, Keane I'd probably play in any situation. Um, At this see. point, right now, I'll give you one. Bradley Wright Phillips. Mm-hmm. New York Red Bulls are playing some of the best soccer of any team all season and um, I, I don't really think it matters who they play. They could play Los Angeles. They could play Vancouver. Uh, they could play San Jose. And I think Bradley Wright Phillips would have a great chance to score a goal. Yeah, and if you're playing the Friday-Saturday slate this weekend, then he's playing at home against Orlando, so he's a solid play. Question's mm-hmm. a, a really good play, too. Yeah, and actually Bradley Wright Phillips has more expected goals per minute than Jovinko. 
right now. Hmm. It's a good nugget. Interesting. Um, so uh, are there any of the upper tier players that you've been avoiding recently, Skylar? Yeah. Um, let me pull up real quick. David Villa. Pull up a list yeah. here of the guys. I think, uh, yeah, I don't know. I was going to say Villa is a guy that I would almost roll out on during any given slate. Um, but does David Villa really tickle your fancy as much <laughs> as these other forwards in the same price range? Like, I I definitely think Villa is a, a solid play at any any matchup, but I don't think he's, like, a, a matchup-proof guy right now with NYCFC. Like, his value really seems to fall pretty far under, like, a Kai Kamara or a Robbie Keane, a Jovinko, a BWP, and the, the Seattle guys. Right. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, I probably wouldn't consider him when I when I've got those guys on the slate. So in a um, tournament, yeah, G- sure. A tournament, yeah, it's sure, usually Giovinco it... or Kai. Uh huh. Yeah, it seems like he's the top of that next tier, and I'm actually not sure who else would even be in that tier. It's almost like I guess maybe like would you guys put Wando in Via's? Uh, tier yeah i'd put him there i'd put rivero there dwyer um, maybe dwyer would be you probably at the bottom of that tier mm-hmm. uh probably a spindola Drogba. at this point yeah drug was making a, a big case for the top tier isn't he yeah he's been excellent um so you've yeah, got uh kaka obviously is one guy that i especially mid-season i had really high hopes for him beginning of the season and was rolling him out pretty much every weekend um, every slate, and he just he wasn't doing it for me fantasy wise. I mean, he would show up with a decent game here and there, but for his price tag across most sites, like he was a guy that I was avoiding once midseason hit, probably even before then. Um, he wasn't in any of my lineups unless it was like a short slate. Yeah, I felt like he was more productive on a you know point per dollar um, basis on Mondo Gold than he was anywhere else, just because you know you get the passes and even just minutes, you know, he's obviously going to play as much as possible. But, uh, yeah, we've been talking about this, all of these forwards that we're building around. And, J.D., you mentioned earlier that occasionally if you find a, uh, you know, a a few value forwards that you can go for some upper-tier midfielders, who are those? Is it Javier Morales and everybody else, or who are the other guys that, that if you are able to save on the forwards, who are the midfielders that immediately come to mind? Javier Morales, Lee Wynn, Diego Valeri, uh, Michael Bradley, Ignacio Piotti is another guy mm-hmm. I think we've all used quite a bit. Yep. Um, yeah, Lee Wynn leads the, leads the line right now. He's probably the first guy's price that I look at, and I just have been cringing every week because it keeps rising. <laughs> deservedly. Um, deservedly, yes. Uh, it's Frustratingly, yeah, yes as well. <laughs> fr- frustratingly. Uh, but Michael Bradley is kind of the discount Valer- or discount Lee Wayne at this point. He's just having a, a heck of a stretch and uh, kind of just isn't getting the, the salary respect that he deserves right now. Yeah, it seems like it's not the easiest thing to get two of these upper-tier forwards and one of these upper-tier midfielders. It was um, very easy earlier in the season. I was just about to say it that, is, yeah. <laughs> it is extremely difficult now. Even guys like Christian Takera's price has jumped so much that it it has definitely gotten more difficult as the season goes on. 
um, for kind of the guys who follow very closely, like us, to really get an edge on even the guys that don't, because the the pricing's tight for everybody. Skyler, do you ever consider just punting a position? Take like taking the usually on a truly bare minimum defender, so you can get you know who may not even play. To yeah, them. usually on I was gonna was what I was gonna say is usually defender if I'm taking a punt anywhere. And true story, last night I just about won a trip to VIP trip to uh, Dallas. There was a site hosting a GM for the day VIP contest. Whoa. I fell three quarters of a point short. So oh, I was just about there. Uh, would have been uh dynamo stack that took me there on that Will Bruin goal. But uh That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> so I had uh kicking myself for a punt play that I made. For me it was uh between David Horst from the Dynamo or Raul Rodriguez from the Dynamo. Um went with Rodriguez. I mean they were both I think similar similarly priced and Rodriguez had no stats other other than the clean sheet while David Horst I think got off a shot or two would have oh, would have won it. me yep. the prize um but that was that was the punt that i was going for i think i saw uh, rodriguez had a goal maybe two goals not too long ago so i think i was kind of clinging to that a little bit too much uh-huh. and at that point it was just trying to like i felt like the dynamo had a good shot at a clean sheet um and at that point i was just trying to figure out you know basically throwing a dart at one of those guys which one's going to be more productive and I chose the wrong one and ended up in second place so didn't work out that time but yeah it's it's definitely worth trying sometimes I mean sometimes those are the decisions that end up uh, deciding if you are in the money or not right yeah there's times on like a two or three game slate um, when it's really impossible for me to get like maybe maybe I want to get three really elite forward midfield options and maybe one other like pretty high priced one i'm willing to take the lowest possible price defender if even if he's not playing Mm -hmm. because you're gonna possibly be the only person with those four elite guys like the only person that could squeeze all of them into your lineup and on a small slate that's very important on a big slate someone's gonna beat you if you punt a, a defender position like, someone's just bound to have all the other attacking pieces that hit. But on a short one where maybe there's only, like, three or four goals on the day and maybe they all come off great players, uh, if you have them, it doesn't matter if your defender got five or ten points or two points. Yeah, that's right. a great point. That's that's sort of where I was going. Of of. I've done that many times this year. <laughs> where, yeah, where you consider literally getting zero. I, if I know he's not going to play, it doesn't matter because I... I need the extra, say, $1,000 to get this guy that I know is so much better than a, a mid-priced Nick DeLeon or something. Yep. yep. Yeah, and a lot of the punts, too, come you know in that last hour, the last hour scramble leading up to lineup lock because that's when we're seeing the lineups come out. That's where we see who's in, what price they're at, um, you know, what position they're at. There might be a guy that is listed as a defender, but like – uh, last night, for instance, uh, DeJong, DeJong yeah. for Sporting KC was listed as a defender across most sites but lined up as a forward um, or maybe a winger. Um, so he, he for was, me... There, oh, uh, Dwyer was the only one in front of him. <laughs> we can put it that yeah. way. 
Yeah, so when I see something like that, then that that makes me think a little bit harder about certain players. So even if there's a guy that I don't know much about, if I see that he's playing a little bit out of position or maybe higher up the field, um, then I'm willing to take a punt on that guy and just see see what comes of it. Yeah, one of the nice things about um, MLS is that when they when the teams release their lineups, they usually release the formation, whereas in the Premier League they don't always do that where you're literally at, at kickoff and you're still not quite sure where everybody's going to line up until they actually line up for kickoff, and at that point it's too late. But yeah, MLS does a great job, most of the teams at least, of, of showing <laughs> where they are. Which, and the uh, ones that don't jump to my mind, like immediately. Immediately, yep. Like Houston, <laughs> Houston I was gonna Vancouver, say. and your stupid Vine that yeah. you tweet all the time. That That's always the second <laughs> time I brought that up right. on here. That always uh, uh, doesn't include Rivero, so you have to click through and watch it to make sure he's actually the last one. Exactly. Um, not bitter at all, though. But yeah, the, <laughs> the Houston also usually releases it much later than everybody else, which uh, on one of these, like or like last night's slate. Um, so the games were what eight and eight thirty Eastern, right? So they didn't uh, release their lineup until like seven fifty. Which was obviously, you know, forty-five minutes before their game, but it was ten minutes before, fifteen minutes before lineup lock, which is always the, the toughest one. I find that's actually one of the toughest things about MLS as a whole. Um, in, you know, in certain, uh, in, you know, these daily sites that allow you to, with late swap, you, you're basically there all night because you know you have games at seven, seven thirty, eight, eight thirty-nine that you just, if you're truly trying to get make sure all of your guys are starting you've got to be on top of it the entire night whereas you know I've, I've gotten accustomed to premier league where they essentially just have two or possibly three uh times but it's usually just two which makes it a little easier and it's only one game that's not at the uh you know a 10 o'clock window let's say but um yeah, that's a good point i mean it's honestly i feel like that's a lot of um part of my success this season is just the fact that you're constantly having to stay on top of the lineups and constantly having to make sure you at least have an active player going if you're listening to the podcast like that's an easy thing to do if you're entering i mean it's real money that we're talking about here so don't just light it on fire and and you know have guys that aren't that are sitting on the bench or not even dressed in your lineups like pay attention to that stuff even just swapping a guy in that's playing in the lineup gonna earn you some points better than a goose egg and that might be the difference between getting in the money or not. Keep in mind, this is somebody that has, you know, three of his kids doing his lineups as well at the same time. So, <laughs> and my dog. And yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and I think that's a great point in that, you know, we're, we're playing for money here. And so, you, you know, it's, it's not supposed to be easy. Um, so you got to, you know, you got to put in a little work, which is why that was one of the things, um, you know, why we have the lineups pages on, on Rotowire so that you can just see them all in one place and know where your where your guys are because if they're on the bench it's just, it, you know like you said you're basically lighting your money on fire which I've done plenty of times this season and just you know uh slowly starting to learn my lesson but um so you guys have talked about teams that you uh, certainly avoid um or those that you key on um when you look at form uh how far back JD do you go like is it you know they played poorly uh, last weekend, so I'm going to stay away now. Or like, kind of, how do you how do you view form? I do look at it in both a, a micro and a macro sense. I like to look first how they did last week. Did I watch the game at all? Am I trusting somebody else's opinion? Um, you know, and then 
if that's abnormal with what their form was before that, then I'll then I'll take a deeper look. But if it really matches what kind of how they've been playing, or I think it's going to be indicative of how they're going to play moving forward, I'm fine with trusting one game. Things really do change that quickly. Teams can kind of change that quickly, especially in the the late summer to early fall uh, area we're in right now. So if you watched last week, you liked what you saw. Um, hopefully you watch the team they're going to play this week too, or you kind of have a, a feel for how that's going to be. Uh, I think you don't have to look that far back. I do kind of like to look maybe four, four games, five games. Um, but any further than that, and just everything could be completely different, especially at this point, point the player motivation with the playoff picture, how that's changed. Um, some injuries, you know, some international breaks were, were at that point, and um, it, it's kind of tough to tell. Even Montreal, they were missing uh, probably their second best player for uh, almost a month. So, I mean, it's it's really tough to kind of try and look back like two months for form if you really want to go get a, get a deep picture. I don't even think that's as accurate as watching one half of this past <laughs> week. Yeah, that the great point about those international breaks that aren't breaks at all um, in in MLS, which is that that's always throws the the lineup loops because um, I mean that's why fit or miss was so great for the for a few. Not that it's always not always great JD or DJ, but um, you know when when you have guys who are just not there, uh, you know it at least gives you a little bit of a heads up of guys you can build around. But the problem is it's usually the best players on on these teams because. You know, if they're be the best players here, they're obviously good enough usually to play for their their national teams. But uh, Skyler, what do you uh, how do you look at uh, teams that have played midweek? Do you do you count on it? Do you, you know, do you think about it at all, or is it you know just part of you know at this point of the season, they're, everybody's going to play and and that's it? How do you do you do you think of it at all? Oh yeah, yeah, it's absolutely right up there at the top of the list. Um, when I'm considering teams that have played midweek, um, the roster rotation, MLS is famous for the roster rotation. And, uh, yeah, it's something that I'm, especially on sites without late swap, then I'm really hesitant to play anybody with confidence. So if there's a team that's played midweek, if they aren't in one of the first batch of games where I can see their lineups, and I'll usually avoid rostering those players unless I know for sure, you know, it's a, must-win type game, um, which this type of, this time of year we're seeing a lot of those. So must-win type of game. Um, you know, maybe there's an injury here or there where basically a player that I'm considering is almost uh, a lock to start. But generally, then, yeah, if, if uh, I can't see the starting lineup before it before uh, lineup's locked, then I'm, trying, I'm probably avoiding any midweek game players. I'll, I'll say this for the midweek matches. Early in the season, they are extremely important to look at, way more so than now. Because early in the season, if a team is tired and they know they have so many games to go, so many months to go, it doesn't even feel like a playoff race. It doesn't feel like a single game matters. So if a team comes out after like three extra days rest, I'm definitely picking them to win rather than the team who just played. And they probably, at by halftime, they're going to be like, oh, well, we have 30 more games and over half the teams in this league make the playoffs. Mm -hmm. At this right. point, 
if a team really needs it and they're playing on three days less rest, they just played Wednesday, now they're playing Saturday, I look to their motivation a lot more than I look to um, when they just most recently played. It Just in terms of players I want, this is assuming that you're going to see the lineups or you can make a swap or something like that. If I'm trying to key on who I think is going to win a match, I think motivation trumps um, fitness right now. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think on the same note, um, I, I tend to target teams that are playing against some of the midweek teams. So, for instance, Toronto FC this weekend is playing Chicago, who just played midweek, and Toronto's right there on the playoff bubble. Um, I think they're in a really good spot to get a result. Um, I think on the same, again, on the same note, you've got to look ahead to potentially the next week where we've got uh, this weekend, we've got two teams that are playing next Wednesday in the U.S. Open Cup final. So for me, I think we're going to see some guys rest. I think we're going to see a lot of starters rested from Philadelphia and Sporting Kansas City, the two teams that are in the U.S. Open Cup final. So I'm already, in my head, I'm already kind of, thinking about um, a couple of New, New England Revolution stacks. Um, I think they're probably going to be favorites against Philadelphia at home, so I'm already targeting them just because I, I think that uh, Philadelphia is going to have their sights set on the U.S. Open Cup final next week. Because yeah. that's literally all they have to play for <laughs> right now, by the right. way. If, if you listeners haven't noticed this trend uh, along the season, Philadelphia is a miserable team. <laughs> The, but they're playing for hardware. That's right. That's they right. are playing for hardware, and a lot of other teams aren't, such as NYCFC. Oof, that's right. Um, that's You make a great point there because I feel like when we talk about midweek matches, we're always looking back. Uh, and, uh, you know, as you said, you know, you're going to look at uh, Chicago, who played Wednesday, and they're going to play Saturday as well. But it, it's, it's a great point to also look ahead of, of – teams that may have something to play for in the following week because um you know often our research is how how has a guy been doing or how has he you know what has he done as opposed to what he might have to do in the next few weeks this this is just very interesting really quick there's a few managers around the league who do tend to kind of zig when other managers zag and they'll rest their players on the weekend rather than wednesday because a lot of managers do kind of fall into the trap of, oh, the midweek match, the other team's going to rest their guys, I'm going to rest mine, and then we'll play some real soccer on the weekend. But there, there are guys who kind of have gotten clever, and they're, they're more so playing their good players on Wednesday to try and get that off-balance uh, advantage. Yeah, almost as if uh, the midweek matches, you only get two points for a win instead of three. But that's a great point that that you made. I, I kind of made that point previously in years about Jose Mourinho, who will pretty much always throw out his best team as much as he can until a guy needs a rest. He doesn't anticipate needing rest. So, but Skyler, I want to go back. Um, I tried to make this podcast a little more generic, but specifically in your new England, I want to focus on this new England Philly stack. When you're looking, when you say that, um, do you literally want to look at every position like when you say i'm i'm going to stack this team does mm -hmm. that mean you're going to focus on them defensively of i think they're going to shut them out so i'll get their goalie and defenders does that mean i'm going to pour on the the attacking players you do literally want to if you could would you take all 
nine or seven or 11, however many people you have to play in a DFS lineup from that team. Yeah. Generally when I'm stacking a team, I'll try to work in as many um, eligible players as I can, depending on which site you're playing on. So if I can get a, I can get a Lee win, Chris Tierney, Bobby Shuttleworth, and then if I'm stacking them, then I'll, then yeah, I'll probably as much as it pains me sometimes, I'll probably stick Charlie Davies in there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, and then yeah, maybe even Diego Fagundes, and see who I can pair with that group that I think is going to give that lineup the highest upside if New England does what I'm thinking they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I might, you know, I might enter that team a few times and mix it up. Maybe I'll have a guy like a Spindola paired with Davies or a guy like Kai Kamara. If I can work, if I can make the salary fit. Um, so yeah, I'm usually across the board defense offense. Um, basically saying, I think that the revs are going to get like a three nil win or something like that is kind of what I'm hoping for. And then I'm getting points on defense and hopefully from my attackers too. I think one of the going back to our always checking lineups. I think that's always a such an important part of stacking because you may be able to get a guy who, you know, might not usually play, and then all of a sudden, you know, you, you get a guy like Kobayashi getting a, a random start up, you know, a little further up than he usually plays, or something like that. <laughs> that you might be able to to slot him in and kind of just accentuate the stack a little bit. You probably yeah. I don't know if him, I'll be but... stacking with Kobe. Kobe Ashi but... <laughs> has definitely had some serviceable games over the last couple of years. That guy can play. Yeah. No, he's interesting price wise too because he's pretty cheap on most sites. So I've I haven't not considered him. Um, but I usually if if there's somebody that might have a little bit more upside than him because he is playing more of a defensive yes. midfielder role this season. Yeah. For the record, and... I'm not saying he should. He should be chosen. <laughs> I don't wanna... think he's intentionally playing a defensive role this season. He's just not that fast anymore, so it's tough for him to to catch up. <laughs> to yeah, he's definitely not the first guy I look to. I I'll say that. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, all right. So the last thing I want to touch on is uh, teammates. Basically, um, when you guys have sort of roster dilemmas of guys to play from the same team. Um, the first ones that come to mind are Clint Dempsey and Obafemi Martins. And do you guys always take one over the other? Or, you know, if you, if you simply can't fit both in, how do you choose? Um, Skylar, how do you make that choice? That's one of the toughest choices for me is choosing between those two. So not sure if I've got an answer for that. Um, <laughs> okay. Usually for me, then it, it honestly it might come down to set piece or penalty kick duty, um, and I think Dempsey might take the PKs for Seattle. So I generally would probably lean towards somebody that if if a penalty is called, then they're going to be the one stepping up, and they've got a little, little bit of a bump upside wise just due to their involvement and in, in, on penalty kicks or set pieces. Yeah, I mean they're they're usually you know, up there is the most expensive option. So if you if you do kind of get both of them, you're essentially taking yourself out of somebody from another team. So, you know, a little lack of diversity exposure that you have there. But um, yeah, JD, it's usually either or. Right, yeah. JD, I, I feel like in the last few weeks, you've been very clearly on the Martin side than the Dempsey side. Is that right? 
That's absolutely correct. Uh, when there's situations like this and there's two very similarly priced players on the same team with the same kind of attacking position, um, you know, pretty much everything's relatively the same and I have to pick. I, I tend to stick with a guy for a long time. Just the guy I feel is going to score more goals over that period of time is perhaps not a better player, but a better DFS player. Mm-hmm. And I think that's pretty clearly Obafemi Martins. Uh, Dempsey assists Martins much more often than Martins assists Dempsey, from my experience. Um, Dem- Dempsey is not quite as good at creating scoring chances himself as Obafemi Martins is. So I think there's a significant enough gap there between the two that I don't, I'm not going to rely on who takes the penalties or set pieces. Granted, that that could definitely come into play, but I, I think Martins is, is pretty clearly ahead of Dempsey right now and for most of this year. Yeah, there aren't a ton of teams that have this situation, obviously, because... You know, not a lot of teams have multiple elite options, but I'm thinking, you know, Dos Santos, we mentioned, is obviously very cheap on, on Mondo Goal, but he's much more expensive on some other sites, including just the regular season-long game. So I feel like you have that Dos Santos-Keen sure. uh, possibility. And I'm not sure that many people are going to take Dos Santos unless you're kind of uh, openly making a differential play. Well, it depends on the price, I guess. I think Dos Santos is a decent amount cheaper, so... Okay. Um the only other ones I can... Uh, How about Akam and Igbon and Ike? That's, Nike, a, yeah. that's a recent one that really has popped up. Yeah, that's an excellent. Um, excellent. And a, a lot of people go Akam, but I think Igbon and Ike has more multi-goal potential. So if I'm playing in a tournament, Igbon and Ike plays higher up the pitch. He plays closer to the center of the field. He's shown us he can have multiple goal games. Um, I think he's really coming into his own. So I would almost lean Igbon and Ike in a tournament. Akam definitely has a higher floor, though. Hmm. That's a yeah, I'm point. always always going Akam there. I do like Igbon and Ike's upside. Like you said, he's definitely got multi-goal upside. But Akam, for me, um, especially when they're similar, similarly priced, um, Akam can just do so much more across the board, contributing to all statistical categories. And he's usually good for 90 minutes, whereas Igbon and Ike, it's not a surprise to see him jogging off in like the 60th or 70th minute. And that's one of the factors for me, too, that when I'm doing my research, that I'm looking at these guys' game logs and seeing how many minutes they've played consistently, how many games in a row they've played 90 consistently, or if they're being subbed out, you know, 60, 70 minutes into a game then if it's between two guys, then I'm probably going to give the guy that's playing more minutes the nod. And in this case, you know, I, I already like a comms upside a little bit more, but he's also, it seems, a little bit more consistent with minutes. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. Um, I can't, I'm kind of trying to figure out who the other uh, teammate, uh, you know, fantasy tandems are that we would think of. Uh, that- maybe Houston, we have a trio of, of forwards there now. We have Will Bruin, uh, Cuba Torres, Giles Barnes. Mm-hmm. Um, Giles Barnes is kind of like the calm in this situation, while Bruin or Cuba is probably more the Igbonanike, except not nearly as prolific lately. Um, so that that's an interesting one that I luckily haven't really had to make yet. <laughs> um, maybe NYCFC probably has a, a Via or a Lampard or a Poku. You kind of have to 
that brings pricing into play yeah. for sure. But was, that's that's a decision that I'm usually making. Yeah, I was the the two that came into mind with me were the Dwyer Failhaber because you kind of have to figure out where where you want to place your sporting upside, either uh-huh. in the midfield or as a forward. And then in the same situation, at least when he was healthy, Mauro Diaz and Fabian Castillo because. Uh, like we said, we always want to try to fit in as many upper tier forwards as we can. And I'm not sure if Dwyer Castillo may have started sniffing that upper tier earlier in the season. And then obviously that didn't continue, but, um, you know, yeah, whatever you Diego want. Valeri, Diego Valeri and whoever starts it forward for Portland is another one that I, I definitely kind of am torn between at times. But on a full, on a full slate, would you really take any of the Timbers attackers? Oh yeah, For, forwards. Ma- excuse me. Any forwards? If the matchup was right and I knew which one was starting, that's usually the problem because they usually play so late because they're on the West Coast. Right. That, but if I feel like if they were on the East Coast, we'd be thinking about this a lot more often because we would see the lineup, we'd know who was going to play. And I think Portland, especially down the stretch here, could be a team you look to for for some goals. Mm, that's an, is it basically just so. Adi and Milano at the? Yeah, Rudy's they both, not getting enough playing time, right? I mean, they both look good when they're in the game, I think. Yeah. Rudy's in the mix now, too. Oh, he is, so, yeah. yeah, I don't know about Portland, though. If they're going to score goals, it'll be this weekend. They're playing at Columbus, so I hope they start scoring, man. I'm, they've got so much firepower and so many good players. Like, I don't know. It's kind of uh, it's frustrating. I guess, I'm not a Portland Timbers fan, but it's frustrating, especially from a fantasy perspective. Um, one uh, group that I always find myself trying to kind of torn between is uh, the crew. Like I'm, anytime I'm trying to pair somebody with Kamara, if I can get Iguain in, then I probably will. But I'm always questioning whether that should be Finley Family. instead. Yeah. And uh, I usually go with Iguain just because of, like I said earlier, just his set piece ability, and he does take penalties for him. He takes most of their free kicks, but. Then Finley comes through, you know, as soon as I take Iguain, Finley comes through the two-goal game. So that's usually a tough call for me there. I think Finley and Kamara actually have linked up better this year, too. So if you're trying to stack uh, crew players, uh, at the beginning of the year, I would have said Iguain would be assisting Kamara plenty. Sure, yeah. But but I think Finley down the wing and Kamara down the middle of the pitch, just both of them are so fast that they're really taking defenses by surprise in combination while Iguain's kind of just sitting back and relaxing, watching it happen. <laughs> yeah, it's been quite a season for Finley. And I'm I'm not sure anybody saw this much upside from him, unless I'm just underscoring him more than he should be. But He was promising last year, but it, I don't think anyone saw him getting to to quite this level of not necessarily play but productivity. He's been, yeah, quite productive in the stat sheet. Right. He's got one of the best goal scorers in the league that he's feeding balls to. <laughs> that so certainly that helps, hurt. yeah. Who could break the record if he has a good stretch here. He's at 21, right? Mm-hmm. Record's 27. 27 how, many, yeah. how many games do the crew have left? Like seven, maybe? It'll be close. Yeah, I don't know if they've got that many, but, uh, you, you know, turn a hat trick, and then next thing you know, he's a hat trick away. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's a shared record, isn't it? 27? Yes. It's Wando and BWP, is that right? That's correct. Yeah. It's Wando. B- did they break Lasseter's, or is he still tied? I think Lasseter might still be tied with him, too. Oh, okay. 
Maybe. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I didn't think so, but yeah, I'm not going to dismiss it. I don't know for <laughs> sure. I thought it was just the two of them. I'll say this, though. Kamara just has been burning people. I think it was Steve Birnbaum this past week. And it must feel bad to just completely have Kamara run past you and just have to stare at that, <laughs> that little man bun that looks like a rabbit tail or something. <laughs> and the rest of his hair is shaved, and you just see that, like, flopping past you, and he's, like, just burning you for a goal. Uh, I agree. That's probably a very poor feeling. Almost as bad as when I search Beasley now, and every Google result is Cole Beasley. <laughs> I didn't have to do this like two months ago. It was just Demarcus Beasley would come up, and now it's Cole Beasley. Well, that's what happens when the other football I guess, starts. Up. I guess so. <laughs> well, on that note, I'm going to pull this, take the uh, plug out of this one, guys. <laughs> I thought the uh, nice Kai Kamara man bun, bunny. Well, I have one more question, tail. Andrew. Oh, sure. You have to have thought about this, I'm sure. Who would you want to have a beer with in the MLS? <laughs> that was a, a great conversation. Um, and I was I was actually, I thought like way too long about this um, because <laughs> I kind of fell into the, your same category that there were just too many people that I would want it to be with. We and could it, have a whole podcast about this. I, I think we might because I, I feel like it started to become more of like a who would I just want to be hanging out with, and that's not really like the point of the question. So I'm going to pass, and, and maybe we will maybe we will just have an entire podcast about it. All right. That sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I will agree with you. It will not be Alan Gordon. <laughs> I will at least give you that much. Uh, so, yeah, guys, thanks, and uh, good luck this weekend. Thank you for uh, – talking a little more strategy this week i think hopefully uh if anybody's still listening that you um, got something out of this um i'll remind everyone as well you know mls is is winding down but there's still plenty of european uh soccer going on so if you head over to mondo goal and if you're uh, if you've never played there before uh you can on your first time deposit if you use the promo code roto roto you'll get a 200 percent bonus on that deposit so please uh do that we thank them for sponsoring the podcast and guys good luck this weekend good luck everybody good luck guys thank you for listening to the rotowire fantasy soccer podcast for more great content visit rotowire.com soccer